To the Tuga, the Everything Portuguese Soccer Podcast. Uh, I'm Kevin, that's Christian, that's Mitch. It is uh, everyone's favorite Portuguese soccer podcast by the fans, for the fans. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we have a lot to get to. It has been a very busy few weeks in the Portuguese Soccer League. Uh, so why don't we begin with the League of Portugal. And right now, boys, uh, none of us are Porto fans, which means there's a lot of disappointment here in the room <laughs> because it looks like... The uh, FC Porto is uh, in cruise control, ready to be crowned uh, champions of Portugal once again. Uh, I mean, anything can happen, but uh, things aren't looking good in that aspect. Um, I, I guess before we get into specifics, I know there was the Porto Sporting game uh, not too long ago. I mean, what what kind of went wrong? Instead, let's let's focus on what went wrong for Benfica and Sporting this year that allowed Porto to be in this situation. Well, first off, Porto is rightfully in first place. I'll, I'm going to start off by saying that. Uh, they've been playing the best football consistently uh, this year so far. So take nothing away from them. Uh, they're they're rightfully in first place. But that being said, also, Bifica went through a lot too, right? They went through a different president. They fired their coach midseason. So they're still, you know, trying to find their identity and rebuilding. And then Sporting... We're, this is the first time, well, not the first time, but we're, we're going through a, a lot of adversity. And you know what? This is going to grow our team. This is what, you know, good team, good solid teams that are consistent. You know, this is where they grow and they they build off of where we're suffering a lot of injury, uh, injuries. We're rotating a lot of players. COVID went through our locker room. I mean, this is not an excuse. Porto's in first place, rightfully so. But, yeah, we're we're just, you know, we're, we got beat down and we, you know, it's, we're finding it tough to to go back up again, for sure. I think for Sporting, I think one of the biggest things has just been the, the absence of a really solid, consistent striker for you guys. Yes. Just putting the ball in the back of the net. Like, yeah. Paulinho is so streaky, and he's so inconsistent. Yeah. And, you know, and if you want to win the league, you need to have, a, you know, that, that, that pivotal kind of piece. And last year, I think you guys not got lucky, but you guys had – Pot was scoring at will, almost yeah. like he was just, yeah. and and that system was just operating so smoothly for you guys. Whereas this year, I think you're just up against the Porto team that's on another fucking level. Like the way yeah. they're so, playing this year is. Yeah. So are, are we at the point though? I mean, like taking a look at the standings right now. I mean, uh, assuming Porto wins today, then they'll be uh, what is that? Eight points up on Sporting. Yeah. Uh, cool. Then if Benfica wins, uh, there'll be four points back of Sporting. So, I mean, to me, taking a look at – because really, everyone only cares about the top five positions because that's where Europe ends up going in. Gil Vicente Braga, they're locked in, in in spots four and five. They may rotate. doesn't really matter because both of those positions end up uh, going same place. Um, top two, though – is where everything matters, right? So Benfica at Sporting right now, it seems like that's the big battle now. Who's going to be finishing in second place? Does Benfica have enough to catch up to Sporting? Uh, I'm going to say probably not. Um, I'm oh, gonna, wait, wait, wait. you heard it here first. I think my mic's a little messed up. Did you say probably I, I, not? I, I, I'm bringing I'm this full screen so we can hear Mitch say that he had to take a drink of water. He couldn't believe it. He threw yeah. up a little in his mouth. Everything good with the audio there? I don't know. 
Man, <laughs> I, I've been so disappointed with Benfica this year. There's been so many things. Um, you know, we're really inconsistent right now, um, trying to find our our identity with this new coach. Um, you know, the, the the performances have been have been subpar at best. I mean, they've they've just been lackluster. Um, the team just can't can't figure it out. Um, you know, it's it's tough, man. I, I mean, anything can happen, obviously. Um, but I think I think Sporting is is you know at this point it really comes down to consistency, and Sporting has just been a more consistent team um, than than Mifiga. Even when Sporting hasn't gotten the results, they've played well. Like yesterday's game against Maritim, they did not deserve to tie that game. No, Peter Por hit the bar and the, the post. Bar, the bar <laughs> and, the, uh, and the post. Like I mean, it was just unlucky. They played well. They didn't. I don't yeah. think they deserve the tie against Maritim, whereas Benfica's results, they they played like shit. When they've drawn or lost, they they played poorly. In some games they've won and played really poorly. Like it, they just have not found that groove. And then they'll go into the Champions League against Ajax and and draw. And they played so well in the second half against against Ajax. So they're they're super inconsistent right now. They just can't find that that groove and that that form that's going to get them to to be able to string together um some good results that puts them in a in a good position again anything can happen there's still lots of league to be played if they're able to find some some consistent form and they're able to start stringing some wins together and the team starts growing in confidence man it it could very well happen but if you can still ask to play sporting i mean there it can happen but Right now, it's to be a Benfica fan with with a whole lot of optimism in in terms of us getting into second or even first place. It's it's tough. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, given everything that happened up until this point, things could change, like much said. But up until right now, I think as much as how hard it is for you to admit, I think Portugal or uh, Sporting and Porto are the two best teams in in Portugal right now. Uh, Benfica, this is the thing from an outsider looking in. It must be so frustrating to be a Bifika fan. You guys go and beat uh, Braga, what was it, 7 nothing or 6 nothing, One game, and then things are flying high. Next time you, you guys drop points to, you know, Estoril or, or another team that's – and you guys look very lackluster. You watch them, they're like just, – they're just not consistent, like you said. So it's really frustrating. Anything can happen, but I think, like you said, you touched base on it, and it's – Sporting is a little bit more consistent team. I would say, uh, if you're doing statistics or uh, if you're to guess, you're a bed man, I'd say it's uh, Porto 1, Sporting 2. But like you said, anything can happen. Like this is up until this point, anything can happen to the rest of the season. So. Well, and I think the, the issue there, I think the issue there too, though, is Sporting can beat themselves here. I mean, a 1 1 draw against Maritimo, like, come on, boys, what yeah, are you doing? And it's you start dropping those points, right? A draw here, a draw there, right? You slip up against Befica, suddenly Sporting is in a fight just to get back into Europe, you know, uh, yeah. into the Champions League directly. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. I think that, you know, I'll be, uh, I'll be honest, you know, when it comes to Benfica, I was writing them off. Uh, I think a lot of people have. But then they go and turn around and pull out a pretty good performance against Ajax in Champions League this week, right? And Ajax is no pushover, although I believe they lost today. Um, but still, I mean, Benfica certainly has the quality and, and the talent to be able to, 
you know, overcome Sporting here, especially if Sporting continues to beat themselves. So it'll be really interesting to see what ends up happening. Now, for Sporting to get into this situation, uh, they ran up against it with Porto. It was a wild game. Why don't you guys tell us what happened? Yeah, uh, honestly, like, I don't want to use the sellout excuse about the ref. Uh, I think people use it all the time and it sort of gets wishy-washy. But uh, I think even Mitch can agree or, you know, outsiders looking in can agree that the, the refing in that game was brutal. We started that game 2-0 um, up. Uh, Porto was pressing and it just fell right into the way Sporting loves to play. We play the best. We get, when uh, people are attacking us, they open up spaces and we hit them on the counterattack. Our formation, our whole team is literally meant for that. We play with three center backs with the wing backs going up. It's just perfect for counterattack. So... We had that game under control. If you're just looking at the stats, you might not agree with me, but if anybody that watched the game, you can tell that Sporting was just in control. The And yeah, we're up 2 nothing right away. Um, Porto came towards the end of that half and made a 2-1. Beautiful goal from uh, Fab Vieira. He's on fire right now. What a player. That guy's a future star right there. But yeah, going into the, you know, at the end of the first half, uh, Sporting Easters and we were, we were really confident. We had that game under control. But then second half comes. And Kowach, I believe it was two or three minutes into the second half, gets his second yellow. And, man, uh, Pino, that referee, did not have any control of the game. He's, uh, you know, he, they say he's an up-and-coming referee. Maybe he is. But I feel like that game for him, playing in the Stade de Dragon, with all those people yelling and every, after every tackle, everything, everybody's just on, on top of him. I feel like it got to him because uh, uh, Kowach got his, uh, you know, his red card. Maybe hit the, the second yellow. The second you yellow you can give him a yellow. But the first one, Tademi literally jumped on him, fouled him, stepped on his foot, span off of him, and he got a, a yellow card for that. And that ended up getting him the red card, and it changed the, the game. I mean, Porto could have easily tied it. They're... Great team. They have, you know, high attacking offense, but let's call it how it is that changed the game. We went from, uh, you know, a back and forth affair, a very, very amazing, entertaining game, mm -hmm. two great teams to it destroying the game. And, you know, it sort of just paved the way for the rest of the game. Porto attacked. We did pretty well with 10 men uh, trying to neutralize it. Favi Vieira uh, pulls another amazing play on the wing. Made a something out of nothing, and Tadami, you know, scored a, a header, a beautiful header, and uh, you know the, that was the pretty much how it went for the rest of the game, and then towards the end of the game, because one team's uh, fighting and pushing, another team's doing everything they can not to get scored on, you know, uh, things got more intense and flared up, and then towards the end of the game, I mean, you guys all saw what happened, uh, yeah. They started going uh going at each other. But you know what? Let's let's call it how it is. That usually happens in big derby games. You know, there's a little bit of pushing and shoving. But one thing that is not common is the workers uh and fans in the stadium hitting players. I I feel like you know, all the other stuff we, we've seen before, but when you have people 
that work in the stadium punching players I think that's uh, a little bit too far. Well, and to to Rich Ferreira uh, joining in, thanks for tuning in. By the way, uh, he makes the the keeps it simple. And what a point! It was a disgrace and it was a shame to the league, one hundred percent. And and that's the stuff that needs to get taken care of and uh, watched because that's just uncalled for. Uh, uncalled yeah, I for. just wanted to add one more thing uh, before you give your take. That's taking nothing away from Porto. That what the refs mm-hmm. did and all that stuff. That I mean, you know, Porto is a great team. I, I'm just saying that that ref sort of paved the way for how the rest of the game went. Yeah, so. I think it, it goes like that. That show at the end of the game, I think, kind of goes and just shows the the kind of the climate that's been created around Portuguese football and the league over the last few years. Um, there's always been that rivalry, uh, but I think. You know, the media in Portugal, uh, specifically, um, you know, channels like CMTV and the way that they constantly pit one against the other and pick on these little nit, nitpicky things to, to rile up the, the fans to, it, to a level of hatred almost. And, and it's almost unhealthy. And you, we've all seen the CMTV talk shows and the way that they and the way that the even the people on the talk shows are going at it and 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 going after one another and it just creates this climate of of really you know divisive hatred between the teams to an unhealthy level the rivalries are good and and i i say that because you know i i witness it you know with i look at my uh you know my father-in-law and the way that the way that he comes into our house sometimes talking, did you see CMTV and that this, 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 <laughs> and this? And, and it's it's like the way he's talking, he's got this, you know, hatred towards, you know, either Benfica or Sporting because he's a, he's a big Port fan. And, and, um, and I think that has aided in it. And there's a lot of other things that have aided in it as well, but there's this, this, this unhealthy climate around the Portuguese league. And it, it has to do with, you know, a, a lot about how the teams are allowed to react after these games as well on social media, you know, uh, there was a situation the other day, um, you know, where and we've talked about this all the time, you know, a heavy handed approach that leaks like the EPL take when either a player or a coach speaks out about a referee, the fines that come down on teams, the suspensions that come down on teams, you cannot do that. And the EPL recognizes that if you allow players and coaches to just go wild west and badmouth and and say whatever they want against referees, you're going to create a very hostile environment and you're going to put undue pressure on referees and they're going to end up making bad mistakes that lead to what happened at the end of the game. So I think it's a kind of a two pronged thing. It's number one, it's the the, the league. The, the failure of the league to clamp down on the way that teams, and I'm going to call Porto out because I think they're the worst of the three in terms of how they react to, to games and constantly calling out referees for doing this and doing that because they, they really put a ton of pressure on these referees. Uh, we, there's, there's been uh, reports in Portugal of referees having their, their doors of their homes graffitied on that they're going to be killed because of performances in games, you can't have that 
that puts an unbelievable amount of pressure on these referees. And to your point, you know, the the already the pressure in the stadium with the fans yelling and everything. I mean, that's just part of it. But when you have that outside pressure, that other outside pressure, it makes their job that much harder. And it just creates this very, very hostile climate. And, and I think uh, what we saw at the end of the game was just the culmination of all of these things coming to a boil. And, and it just popped off. And when, you know, you see fans running down there to try to actually physically harm players, man, you can't have that. And I think Port needs to take responsibility for the way that they communicate, the way that they, that, that, that environment and that climate that they almost help to harness the way that they communicate. And it's that very rough, that very, you know, uh, take no shit from nobody and, 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 you know, do whatever it takes to, to protect your team. And it's, you know, it's all, it's all fine and dandy until you start to see crap like that. And, and I think Port first and foremost needs to take responsibility for the way that they communicate and, and their contribution to, to, to that kind of thing. Cause we've seen it. This is not the first year that we've seen these type of things from, from Port. No. No, for sure, especially with the coach. But I was just going to say, and that's where where uh, Portuguese leadership, the the heads of each team, they all need to kind of come together on a united front and say this is not acceptable, and they need to start acting professional themselves. It starts at the top, and that's what we need to see. Yeah, and like Mitch hit the nail on the head. In my personal opinion. Uh, it has to start from the top down. Like I watched the EPL uh, yesterday and I have to filter out my brain because I have the Portuguese league brain. Yeah. Well, that's a foul. That's a blah, blah, blah. And that's blah, blah, blah. But in the EPL, uh, mo- for the most part, you know, there's always uh, the odd the odd game. But for the most part, they let him play. In, in the Portuguese league, uh, I think that game against uh, Sporting Porto, you know how much free-flowing soccer there was? 33 minutes. And there was 109 minutes of uh of game time with all the extra time 33 minutes that doesn't fly in the in the epl epl EPL, they they don't whistle all those little touches those little infractions i mean if you nitpick yeah it could be a foul but they let it go and even with uh the penalty shot i know last year was a little bit different but this year if you watch the epl they don't call little cheeky penalties even if it's a penalty they notice the player dived a little bit they don't call it and I feel like to iron out all that stuff and all the little nitpicking and all the attacks on the referee is not call every little thing. You set a precedence, and like you said, with the the you know the fines, heavy-handed approach, and that's the way you iron this out. Because yeah, Porto, let's take nothing away from them. They they deserve where they are. They're playing really good. They have some of the best players in the league. Nobody's denying that. But this is what happens when you let a team. You know, get away with so much. It becomes part of their culture. This is what Porto does, and and in a way, it it does start from the top because you let this stuff go. It's just like anything else in this world. You let you give people an inch, they take they take as much as they possibly can until you you nip it. And well, and it goes to, for example, so you know, we're talking about a culture that's been how long has Pete Costa been been at the helm? Thirty years. Yeah. 30 years, 30, 40 years, 30, yeah. 40 years. I mean, you're talking about a man who's in himself has, you know, a ton of controversy behind him um, with, with some of the things that he's been involved in. But you, you look at Varandas, the, the president of Sporting, the comments that he made after the game. And I believe 
and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it was something along the lines of this is this is a result of a forty years forty of, years of, of Pete Costa at Porto. This is the culture that he's created in his team. The reaction of Port after those comments, Vitor Bahia and and other high high level, you know, um, people from from Port surrounded Varandes. There's the rumor that they they took his phone. I mean, the, there's there's all of this that it's not a rumor. They did. I, I listened to Rayo Shish, which is like a sporting uh, commentator. Like whatever, that's like a little analysis, little pod that they do after. And the guy that was next to Varandes, he said that he they literally stole his phone and they smacked his wallet out of his hand. So that is a fact. Like I mean, we're not talking about fans. Like these are these are the presidents of the club, man, getting into altercations like this, and all because Varandes came out and said this is a result of, and he's not wrong. He's talking about exactly what we're talking about. It's this this culture that under Pinto Costa, uh, Port has kind of uh, harnessed over the years, and it's 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 like I say, it's rivalry is one thing, but but it's it's unhealthy when it it starts to create situations like this. And and like Kev said, it starts at the top. It starts you know with the leadership and 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 the president. And I think you know at at some point these guys have to be taken to task. And I I think. At this point, this man has so much influence that you know the league can't do anything. But but we need we need a change in in Portuguese football, man. Like we need a change, and and this this old this old guard and this this old style of very you know um, mafiaesque type you know leadership there, where the, you know there's a lot of influence on the referees and threats and all this stuff. It's got it's got to go. And that's well, all. It's all the teams, right? Not just and Portugal, but they're, they're the they're the main the main ones. Yeah, it's been forty years of Pinto da Costa with uh, FC Porto. I, I, I for them themselves, it's time for change. I mean, he's eighty four yeah. years old. The game has changed. They'd be better off looking for um, someone new, someone with fresh ideas, someone that can you know bring the club and help be, be a leader for the league and bring it into. You know the 2020s. You know, and, and, and I would and I would have supported Vitor Bahia because I think he's probably being primed for to take over as as the next president. Either him or somebody like um, Andre Villas Boys. I know Villas Boys has talked about having aspirations of of doing that role. But but after what I saw Bahia did with with Verander, it's like, come on, man! Like we that's not what we need. Yeah, you yeah. know. I'd love to see somebody like a you know Rui Costa at the helm of Benfica, Vitor Bahia at the helm of Porto, guys who have a mutual respect, former club legends, you know, yeah. take these te- these teams into a new era. But man, we gotta get past this yeah. this craziness. Man. And, and that being said, we don't want to just pick on Port. Uh, we're just specifically talking about uh, you know this situation because of what happened after the game. So this it, this could have been Sporting that done this or. Or Bifika, and the big three are all all have yeah. blame in in the way the Portuguese league is yeah. acting. Now, moving along, FC Porto. We've been talking a lot about them. Sport. We've been talking about. They've got a big game coming up this week. It is the Taça de Portugal, the semifinal. May as well call it the final. The other semifinals, Tondela versus Mafra. So I mean, really, like. <laughs> Porto Sporting the semifinal. This is for the Taça de Portugal. Two legs starts at the Estadio uh, José Alvalade, uh, and that is on Wednesday. Um, 
Sporting, Porto, who do we got? Um, I think Porto's got the league, and I would, you know, ideally look like from a just looking at it, I feel like I think Sporting can take this one. Uh, sporting, they match well against Porto. Uh, in every uh, club competition that's, you know, been around lately in the last years, we've, we've usually beat Porto. A lot of the times in the shootout, I'm not saying we were the better team every time, but we somehow pulled a result against them. And yeah, I think Sporting is going to try to aim for three out of four titles this year. They already got the, you know, the Super Tasks, so they got Tasks Liga, they get the Tasks Portugal. Uh, I think that's not a bad season. Obviously, it's I'd take the Campeonato over those three any day. Uh, the Campeonato is the most important, but I feel like if, if we knock them out, um, that's not a bad season. Well, and, and I think the interesting thing too is like, so FC Port, I mean, they're trying to fight for the League of Portugal right now, which they seem to be in the, in the driver's seat. They're also got Europa League round of 16 coming up. Sporting, after, and we'll talk about this in a sec, they're out of Champions League. There's no way they're going to come back. I mean, uh, I hope I eat my words. You're not, not going to put gonna... uh, a bet on that? Six, you know, six nothing? You, you know what? Hey, listen. <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs were up 7-2 yesterday after two periods against Detroit, and then at one point they were only up 8-6, and they ended up winning 10-7. So, uh, yeah. I mean, anything can happen in sports. But, yeah. uh, no, uh, sporting is out. Right now, sporting realistically, this is all they've got left to look forward to. That and holding on to that second spot and holding off Benfica. So I do think from that perspective, sporting has a lot more um, uh, incentive in this uh, in this game. Um, the, the other interesting thing is Sporting and Porto, they both have 17 Tassas de Portugal titles. So whomever ends up winning, because again, unless Tondela or Mafra end up playing the upset of the century here uh whomever ends up winning this will end up being uh, in sole possession of second place behind benfica who have 26 so uh i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go because of the incentive stuff going on i'm gonna say sporting ends up winning it all right well i gotta be the tiebreaker port is gonna take it and and i think port's gonna take it because i just think that they're Right now, they're playing better than than Sporting. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. Sporting is out, uh, or uh, Pot is going to be out for the next few games, yes. one to two weeks. So I believe he misses this game, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that's a huge, huge loss for you guys. Um, so I'm I'm just going to say Port. Yeah, well, let's also go back to the fact that earlier in the show, in case you're just tuning in and missed us, that Mitch admitted that Sporting was the <laughs> So screenshot uh, that. <laughs> you know, we will we will keep this up for as long as we need to, just so everyone can remember that and focus on that. Um, but let's talk uh, Champions League and Europe. It was a very interesting week, uh, as I just alluded to earlier. Sporting pretty much done uh, with a five nothing rubbing at the hands of Manchester City. We knew they were going to be in tough again. Man City, um, but even that's a little humiliating. So uh, hopefully they'll be able to, you know, um, earn back a little pride and, and maybe put in a goal or two just to kind of make it look a little decent on paper. But uh, that was pretty disastrous. But the one game that I was really, um, really excited about the results for Benfica Ajax, I thought for sure Ajax was going to trounce uh, Benfica. I you talk about a five nothing scoreline. That's kind of what I was thinking with Ajax, simply because they are such a good team right now, and they've been playing well. Um, to draw 2-2 two, two 
pretty interesting to say the least. Uh, boys, uh, what what happened this week in Champions League? Well, I'll start with Benfica. Um, I, I was I didn't watch the game live, but I re, I rewatched it uh, at night, and um, you know, <clears throat> the first half we we struggled a little bit, but um, I think after going down, I think the coach threw caution against the wind and said, "Fuck it, let's let's just go for it." And we came out in the second half, and we were just attacking at will, and it was something. We haven't seen if we could do in, in in a little while, um, and it was it was nice to see, man. And we were just we were just going for it. Hafa had a great game, man. Like Hafa was creating chances left, right, and center. Like he was playing really well. Uh, I loved the way Gonzalez played. Um, man, everyone was playing really well. The, the whole team played played really really well, and and you know that's the that's the performance, and that's. That's the the potential that they have. It's it's finding that 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 vein of consistency that they have to try and tap into. But they played very well, man. I was very proud of the yeah. way they played. From an outsider looking in, that just tells me there's a lot wrong with Befica because I feel, I don't feel like they get up for those uh, you know smaller league games. Like mm-hmm. they got up for the Ajax. I think they yeah. they woke up. Like, we're playing Ajax. Let's play good because there's a lot of quality. That's a really good point, man. Yeah. And I feel like that's if you get the right coach and the right person in that locker room, Bifika can be a great team. They have great players. You look at their team, and they have Vertolgen. They have ultimate. These are like Premier League uh, defensemen. I'm not saying uh, they're at their prime right now, but yeah. you know, a few years back, they were some of the top defensemen in the world. Yeah. Uh, you have a guy like Rafa. The only thing that separates Rafa from from Ifico or being on a massive team is just his finishing. Yeah. If that guy had a little bit more finishing, this guy is a really, really, really good player. Yeah. Uh, Everton Sibuliga, being a Bifika fan, that must be the most frustrating player to watch. Yeah. Sometimes you see brinks of 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 genius, and he 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 scores really nice goals. Other times he's yeah. back there. You have a guy like Darwin. I think he's a you know a huge huge prospect huge player for the future i think he's going to be, end up in a big team again inconsistent sometimes he's one of the best players in the premier league in the premier league other time oh oh my god christian admits bifika is a good team. <laughs> there we go who's on troll patrol anyways all i'm trying to say is they have good pieces good players on that team they're just inconsistent man sometimes They'll play great like Ajax in the second half, man. They were pushing Ajax. Yeah, they were the better team. They were the better team in the second half. First half was was Ajax. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't watch it so in depth. I don't know if you've seen my setup. I had the, the main yeah, TV. Yeah. My main TV was with uh, Man United, and I had a little laptop set up on the side. But, yeah, like you said, Ajax won first half. If he goes second half, they look, they look great. Yeah. So. And I think it leaves the second leg. It's wide open. Yeah. I really do. Basically, Even without Hafa and some big pieces? <clears throat> It's gonna be a little tough, but tough. I mean, anything can happen. So yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rich with a great comment there. <laughs> I just want to say, shuffleboard's a lot of fun. You don't have to be at enough <laughs> to play shuffleboard. No, like about to, time. To, to Ricky's point, that that is one of the big <clears throat> challenges with with Benfica is is the the lack of pace at the back, um, especially. You know, with with those two, they're both well into their thirties. You know, I'd like to see Muratu get a little bit more playing time. I actually like Muratu, but 
the thing is, people look at the defense and they just solely place the solely put the blame on the center backs. But it's a lot of it's team defense. Look, look at Kalach. Kalach isn't fast. He's very slow. Uh, he's old. But you know, if you have a good structure around them, uh, it helps the defense. I think if you guys got a really good CDM, almost like a Pelina, mm-hmm. it would change your whole team. Sometimes it's not just your center back. Oh, I mean, they're, they are older. Take nothing away from sure, that. Sure. And they are past their prime. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of the times when you look at defense, if you put them in vulnerable situations, yeah, yeah they're going to look bad. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're 100% right there. It's not just the two of them. There's, there's multiple times where Grimaldo, and I love Grimaldo. Grimaldo is a great left back, but he's defensive – yeah. abilities are shit. He, he cannot defend very well. He gets beat constantly on that left wing. I think it's as, as strong as he is going forward. He as as much of he's he's a threat going forward. He's just as much as a liability defending because he, he constantly gets beat. Um, so that's, that's, uh, you know, a, kind of a double-edged sword for us. Um, and on the right back, I think between Gilberto and, and Lazaro, they're they're trying to figure out who's who's that number one spot. Uh, as long as Andre Almeida doesn't play, I think we're, <laughs> we're in good shape. But but between the two of them, again, very both very attack minded, um, you know, right back. So it's it's tough because when you have that very attack minded um, right or left back, the defending is always suspect, and that's something I think that's burnt Benfica many times. And then the lack of a really like I like Julian Wego, but man. And he he has these like little little lapses in his game. He's he's very very good, but he has these little mental lapses sometimes that he just makes these these just ridiculously infant mistakes, man. That that cost us goals sometimes. It's just these little mental lapses. He's either not tracking back. He's he's not tracking his man. He's caught ball watching a little bit. For the most part, he's very good, but he's on multiple occasions. So to your point, the team defending, like he's been just caught not doing his job on the field, off the ball, that off the ball work where you got to track back. You got to make sure you're aware of where you are, who you're who you're picking up. And and that's burnt us a few times. So it's and it, it is it's a culmination of, of, of a bunch of different things. It's not just Vertonghen and, and Otamendi. I think one thing we need to look forward to uh, this week, uh, next couple weeks here uh, is so again, sporting, we're going to take them out of the equation. They're going to lose to Manchester City. They'll be out of Champions League for sure. Benfica obviously still has a chance against Ajax. They have a very good chance against Ajax right now. Uh, 2-2 uh, aggregate. Remember, there's no more um, uh, uh, away goal rules. So it, we're literally going to just uh, scores here. So that's definitely a nice advantage as well. Uh, FC Porto and Braga both advance to the Europa League round of 16. Porto's got Leon. And uh, Braga has Monaco. Here's the interesting thing with all of this. Portugal and France are right there next to each other when it comes to the UEFA coefficients. This is actually a very big couple weeks here for Portugal when it comes to Europe. Um, will we be able to count be able to count on Porto, Braga, and Benfica? Uh, I think Benfica is going to be tough. Uh, they always have a chance. Actually, I, if you remember the earlier podcast, I was the one that actually gave Bifika a bigger chance to go through <laughs> than, than even Mitch did. Uh, but, you know, let's call it how it is, uh, especially now with Bifika without Rafa. I know there are a couple other guys. You know, you remember who it is? I know Rafa is one of them. 
whatever. It's a couple big, let's call it a couple big players, and they're going into Ajax. It's going to be a, a tough game. But like you, like, well, I'll uh, say this: uh, Ajax, Ajax lost today to Go yeah. Ahead Eagles. What a weird team name. Um, and this is a team that is like that was maybe five, six points at, uh, above the relegation zone. So Ajax is struggling a little bit now. So they might be ripe for the picking for Benfica. And uh, the team that they lost to is Go Ahead Eagles, right? Go Ahead Eagles. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey. Uh, anyways, let's not talk. I'm, I'm talking too much about Benfica today. I don't know what's, <laughs> I don't know what's in this coffee. But anyways, uh, uh, I still think Ajax is the favorite. I think even the most diehard Benfica fan can would say that. But do they have a chance? Yes, they have a, a really good chance. Um, but out of the other two, uh, out of the three Portuguese teams, I think they have the least chance to go through. I mean, anything can happen. But but I think Porto is going to beat Lyon. Uh, I believe. Did you didn't you guys play Lyon in the preseason? You don't want to look too much into preseason, but uh, both Sporting and Benfica, you know, made them. They didn't look that that good of a team mm-hmm. again preseason. But I, I think Porto is the favorite in that game. Braga. You know, you never know what you're going to get with Braga. But, yeah, out of, out of the three, I think Bifika's the least likely. What a game, by the way. Did you watch the Braga? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, and then uh, did you see the meme where it was like, Sheriff beat Real Madrid, yeah. and then Braga beat Sheriff, so then Braga is better than Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know what you want to look into that. But... <laughs> what a game. It was a great game. Ricardo Arte, man. I'm telling you, Fernando and better be watching man that kid deserves to be on this last zone he yeah. is playing so so well right now so uh i'm a little scared though because have you seen william lately he's not making guys william. and danilo how about danilo man danilo's the second posted, top goal scorer i posted something on our group chat I, yesterday joking i said who needs christian Ronaldo? we got danilo man danilo is the second top goal scorer at psg he's outscoring Lionel messi neymar icardi di maria Come on, man. He's up for Ballon d'Or, I guess. Yeah, so don't uh, be surprised if we see Danilo and uh, William up front. We are uh, we're less than a month away from the uh, World Cup qualifying playoffs, uh, Portugal, Turkey, and then the winner to play North Macedonia or Italy. We'll have a lot more to talk about that uh, in the coming weeks. Um, we're running up against it here with time, guys. Um, but uh, just really quick, you kind of mentioned who Fernand should be kind of looking for. So just let, let's leave a little bit of food for thought here. Um, just one kind of thought or, or, or how are you feeling just going into this? And, and I'll get it started. I was feeling very defeated a few months ago. I'm feeling a little bit more hopeful now. And maybe that's just because we're getting closer to the game. So it's the excitement and the nerves that are there. Uh, I still think Portugal is going to be up against it. I think it'll be very difficult. Uh, I still have a little bit of hope. Uh, I think Cristiano Ronaldo is really going to have to step it up big time uh, here. Uh, the one question that I will leave for you, you don't have to answer today. We can talk about it maybe next week. Uh, is uh, who do you look for in net? And and I say that just because Zessa, man, oh man, do you start giving him a look? Or are you just saying, hey, listen, we're just going to end this with uh, with with the team that we got us here, and then let's look ahead. And he's part of the the future, looking ahead to Euro twenty twenty four. So again, something to think about. Uh, I asked for both of you guys' uh, thoughts uh, as we uh, as we end this podcast. 
Uh, I'm always a big uh, Leo Costa fan. Uh, Jessa, uh, he is playing in a better league. I think any one of those two for me would get the pick over Rupatrice. I love Rupatrice. Well, love is a strong word after what happened, but I appreciate Rupatrice. He, I've always backed him forever. He's an amazing goalie. I just feel like other it's maybe might be time for another goalie to step in there. Uh, and I think either Jessa now and Dio Costa later, but I think no matter what, Dio Costa is going to be the future goalie for Portugal. That's uh, just my opinion. And uh, again, not talking too much about Portugal because, you know, maybe the next podcast we'll dive more into it. But a lot of Portuguese players are stepping up right now for their teams. And it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, Bernardo Silva, is, people are saying he's the best, one of the best players in the, in the Premier League, if not the best right now. Uh, you have, you know, Dio uh, or um, Jota playing really good. We had Andre Silva score, scoring right now. We have so many players, Ruben Diaz, Unreal Cancelo, they're saying he's the best left back in the world. I mean, we have, I could keep Celtics Jota. <laughs> I could keep talking about all these players playing so well for their teams. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's lining up perfectly for the qualification games, whether they can you? show that in the, in the qualification games under Fernand Sanch. Again, we'll leave that for another time. Uh, is one thing, but you know, from the outside looking in, they do look very dangerous. Yeah, Mitch? no, uh, Fernand Sanch can't be sleeping very well right now. He's no. gonna have some headaches. Um, the one thing I will say is based on right now, Ronaldo can't start. Ooh. Wow, wow, <laughs> we've got we've we what you know, good for you. We'll leave this for set the, the stage. We'll this. You've set the stage for the next podcast. We'll leave it Christian, here. Is going to his mind will blow, and he's going to he's just going to lose it on Mitch. I'm surprised he didn't throw his coffee in his face right now and walked off. Uh, yeah, it, it, we are definitely in for a, a great conversation. Uh, who should start a net? Who should start for Portugal? What kind of players are in form? Is this the end of the Ronaldo generation uh, with the Portuguese national team? There's so much to get to. We're less than a month away. Portugal, Turkey, with a trip to Qatar on the line boys any final thoughts before we wrap it up quickly nothing you're good let's go let's go let's go yeah i'm just i okay hold on a second okay christian breaking i i'm typing this in live and normally i don't like doing this while i'm on here christian says let's go Benfica, <laughs> and we are going to bring this up. I didn't up say here. where, though. I said go home. But... No, listen, <laughs> go home, doesn't matter. <laughs> Christian officially loves Benfica. He's oh, been eyeing that God. jersey behind him for like all all year that we've been doing this podcast. I can't <laughs> wait to see Christian wear that Benfica jersey. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, it's going to be what a ride. Uh, for Christian, Mitch, I'm Kevin. Thanks for tuning in. We will be back at it again uh, shortly. Uh, to the two the Tuga, the Portuguese uh, soccer podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, have a good one, everyone. Take care, guys.